Hi, and welcome to On Course, the podcast from Echoing Green that explores social entrepreneurship and the pieces of people's lives that they tend to leave out of their bios. Echoing Green is a premier global investor in new leaders who are boldly working to change the world, providing fellowships, community, seed stage funding, and strategic support at that critical stage where they're just trying to get off the ground. My name is Eric Dawson. I'm a father, husband, social entrepreneur, storyteller, and I have the distinct honor of serving as a chaplain for Equine Green. I, along with my colleagues, support fellows on their spiritual and emotional well-being as they mediate between who they often feel they need to be publicly with how they often feel privately. I'm a fraud. I'm not good enough. I don't know what I'm doing. On Course is about the journey that these leaders take from the moment they decide to act, to create, to change. On this episode, you'll hear my conversation with Sarah Day Evans, founding director of the social enterprise Accelerating Appalachia. Inspired by the textile, farming, and forestry skills of Appalachians and recognizing that the world of social entrepreneurship was expanding, Sarah Day launched Accelerating Appalachia, the world's first nature-based business accelerator, connecting innovative businesses, investors, and mentors with the people, places, and prosperity found in Appalachia. Sarah Day, I, I want to start with the beginnings of your story. Uh, so often when we think about social entrepreneurship, when we talk about leaders, it's this beautiful linear line where all of a sudden, like, boom, there's this moment of inspiration. You're fully formed. You have this brilliant idea. And then, you know, two weeks later, you have $10 million in your bank account. Um, and of course, that isn't, that isn't how it works, right? And so I want you to take us back to the beginning um, tell us about your childhood. What, what were you like? What were some of those early inclinations of wanting to change the world? As long as I can remember, um, I have been immersed in, in nature, um, in, you know, mountains of the Appalachian region, just sheer, it felt like just sheer magic to be in that world. And I, I, as we all do when we're young, we think that that's the way that the world is. And um, not only do we live in this really beautiful uh, place and my parents, we had a what I call a free range childhood, but my parents were political activists. And so there was always conversation, um, debate, people, food, music, poetry, all of that was happening. Um, going to protest marches. Um, there was also trauma seeing my mom, my mom and my little sister who was only three get tear gassed. Um, it was really intense and for me inspiring. Um, but, uh, I don't know that it was that way for my brother and sister so much. I, I just was born with a more outgoing, um, driven personality. I love this, this image of you, um, in your life as a garden. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and being placed in this incredibly rich soil. Yeah. Right. So, so the, the natural environment, the political environment, and then just your own innate justice and curiosity, where has that mixture of those ingredients taken you? Tell us about the path from that, that curious nature, loving, politically active child and what were some of the main landmarks that brought you to where you are today? Some of the main landmarks were 
getting married at, at a young age um, and moving to California um, and experiencing the Bay Area for eight years and that very stimulating, dynamic environment of, of you know, dreamers and doers. But also there's an underlying ang- anxiousness for me that went with that because I felt so untethered there. It was a little, a little it was exciting and also uh, scary. But during that time, you know, I hadn't like finished college. I met my husband in college and it was because of him that we moved out there in his school, had kids young um, and was, you know, busy uh, working. I did this whole myriad of things as a woodworker, a maid, a got a job as a truck driver. You know, I was also just very curious, um, still carrying that, 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 that magic of nature and that political activism. But I was also, we were, we, you know, I was poor. And so I was just working, you know, um, I had a very pragmatic side throughout all of this. I was always a singer songwriter as well. Um, and then when my husband and I separated and I was 30, I moved back to Kentucky, um, and that's when I actually got really grounded in finishing college and was inspired to be a geologist, um, and especially a hydrogeologist because I had always been so fascinated with water as you know this necessary elixir of life. What was it like coming back to Kentucky? Um, it was hard. <laughs> It was really hard. Um, it's hard to say how much of it was Kentucky, um, how much of it was just this year, just sadness of the end of my marriage, uh, my two small children, and what they were going through, you know, being uh, separated from their dad who stayed in California. So I, I struggled with, you know, significant depression, as many people do. Um, the one thing that I could do though, was that I could go to school and I, I was able to channel my, my, my focus into finishing that damn degree because I knew I would continue to work, you know, seven fifty eight dollars an hour jobs if I didn't get that done. You know, the, those moments in our lives where we experience pain, the crap, the, the hard stuff, um, is, 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 what can allow us to grow. Um, so talk about the, the role that, that, that pain um, has played in your growth. Well, I've learned that I'm pretty resilient and I had so such a robust childhood and exposure to philosophers and so many books. Our house was weighted down with books and, but, but, uh, journeys into meditation, um, Buddhist practices, um, then good old talk therapy, um, and then deeper practices, Reiki. Um, you know, it's been a, it's just that alongside of actually doing the work. I found that I, doing the work that inspires me is healing. <laughs> so, so let's talk a little bit about the work. Um, you started an organization accelerating Appalachia. Um, 
Tell us about that birth. Okay, well, that was birthed out of a loss as well. <laughs> After 17 years of working in government, I ultimately got my degree in hydrogeology. I ended up doing really well. I got a scholarship that paid for my college, and um, I worked for the Kentucky Department for Environmental Protection. Really proud of the work that we did there in uh, developing groundwater protection programs and funding for solid waste programs. Um, and 13 years into that, I was offered a job in Western North Carolina in economic development. And I had been wanting to, you know, I've been walking that in eco, e- ecology, environmental protection side um, for a while and felt like I'd really done some good work. Um, and, but I was also, you know, always struggled with how we've broken up our society, our, 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 our culture into you know, here's the environment over here. Here's the economy over here. Um, here are community and people. Uh, and it, it just, it didn't ever feel holistic to me. I do feel like I had grown up in a fairly holistic fashion and that thinking, but it, it felt so compartmentalized. And I was always feeling like I needed to somehow bring all that together. So, but I went to that compartment of um, economic development and uh, four years in, um, there's a big political shift in North Carolina, and um, uh, the Rep- Republicans won the House, Senate, and governorship, first time in 100 years, and um, they just did major, major cuts. And my program uh, for sustainable economic development in rural communities that I'd been building was cut. Um, along with other green and environmental programs. So I'm middle-aged by this time, and um, it was devastating. Um, I felt very lost. Um, but, you know, I had to continue on, um, and I'd gotten a job, a part-time job, and um, at that, uh, I ran into some folks that were working on building an impact investing fund in food and forests that happened to be living in that region, originally from the Bay Area. And they were, they, they said, ah, oh, you should start an accelerator. And I didn't even know what an accelerator was. But I had been working already with these communities to help support a more sustainable, regenerative economy, one that was grounded in place. And as I had been doing that work, I had seen so many of these businesses that were really quite beautiful that were um, seeking to address, you know, our needs for food, clothing, natural building, health products, a lot of them run by women, indigenous women, black women, um, uh, then such a, a focus on, you know, the, the producers of the raw goods, the farmers in the region. And there was, in that region, especially Western North Carolina, there was a really robust network of small farmers. And so that just captivated me. And I was already seeking to help those, that region, that community. And when they said, hey, start a, an accelerator, I didn't know what an accelerator was, um, uh, they introduced me to folks and I started, I did a, about a year of research uh, on trying to understand how that kind of a model could help to accelerate what I like to call nature-based businesses. Um, and that was just a term I came up with um, because I didn't want to say natural resources. It all sounded so 
engineered to me. Um, when I say nature-based, I mean, these are businesses that were clearly thinking about the e- ecology that supports that production of food, the land, the biodiversity. It's one of the most biodiverse regions in the world, uh, southern and central Appalachia is. And so um, that is how Accelerating Appalachia was born. Um, and I used my unemployment check at the time and was able to get a grant to get it going. And when we launched in 2013, we had over 100 applications from across the globe. Wow. It was kind of amazing. My name is Eric Dawson, and this is On Course. I'm speaking with Sarah Day Evans, founding director of Accelerating Appalachia. We'll be back with more after a short break. On Course is produced by Echoing Green. For more than 30 years, Echoing Green has been on the front lines of solving the world's biggest problems. We find emerging leaders with the best ideas for social innovation as early as possible and set them on a path to lifelong impact. Our community of almost 1,000 social innovators includes past fellows like First Lady Michelle Obama, major public figures like Van Jones, and the founders of organizations like Teach for America and One Acre Fund. Built and refined over 30 years, our process discovers tomorrow's leaders today. Join us as we support a new generation of social impact leaders. Learn more at echoinggreen.org. Welcome back. I'm Eric Dawson, and this is On Course, the podcast from Echoing Green. Today, I'm speaking with Sarah Day Evans, founding director of Accelerating Appalachia. So, Sarah Day, you, you started this organization to accelerate uh, nature-based entrepreneurship in the region. Walk us through what that actually means. So I'm an entrepreneur. What are you providing me? What's the experience like? Okay. Well, you are an entrepreneur. I'm going to also just put the caveat on that the, the kind of the entrepreneurs that we look for are entrepreneurs that are, they may not be all of those things yet. They want to get there. And so you're, you're a few years in to your product. You're kind of like, wow, people actually like what I'm doing. I have demand. Um, but how do I keep up with that? I don't have enough cash flow to do that. And that's when a lot of entrepreneurs and businesses do start to look for investment. And we look for entrepreneurs that are at that growth stage, but we don't necessarily insist on investment at all. So what we do when we, we, we get our you know, round of applications in the late winter, and then um, we spend a month or so with our team board vetting and our mentors vetting those applications once they once you are accepted into the program that's generally you know anywhere from eight to ten we've had as many as 12 and we host a training sessions over an eight-week period in the spring and the structure of that is eight weeks but we're holding four-day intensives with our entrepreneurs in different cities in the Southeast. So because we're regionally focused, we're helping our entrepreneurs to make those connections to new customer base, to mentors in the region, to impact investors, um, and to other um, peers. And that's a critical piece is echoing green knows that your peer network is so critical 
um, when you're out there toiling away at a thing and you're trying to solve for social and uh, ecological justice. We do four of those intensives over that eight-week period. And within that, we are training them all the while. So we're going through all of their, you know, levels of financials, marketing, legal aspects, accounting, all through the lens of resiliency, regenerative. You can, eh, you know, I know those are kind of buzzwords these days, but we really mean it. And we have amazing folks uh, who do these trainings. How many projects have you supported to date? Over a hundred. We've had 50 go through the full accelerator, but then we also work one-on-one with businesses throughout the year who may need sort of just a special targeted approach. Like, for instance, they've already are sourcing from regenerative growers, but they don't really have their equity inclusion insight um, and that, that, that they might need, or they just might have everything all together and they're seeking investment and we help to prepare them for investment. And we generally tend to, you know, to select about 75% of our businesses are women um, and women of color, but I'm going to distinguish that um, indigenous and black women when I say women of color. You have this great perch where you've seen so many entrepreneurs um, and, and probably some folks who would not naturally call themselves entrepreneurs and certainly not social entrepreneurs. Mm. What has surprised you the most in your work to date? Wow. <laughs> so many surprises, Eric. Uh, the most, oh, just like you're asking me my favorite color. Um, like, how do I even answer that? Or my favorite song. Um I'm going to change that question and I'm going to say what delighted me the most. I love it. Because the way that these businesses bond and lean into one another um, and relish in knowing one another and having each other there for one another and the bonds that form and not, it's not all, you know, flowers and roses, but you know, uh, but overall, that was just, it's just, it fills my heart um, to see that. And I want to do more of that, like really helping them find one another. Um, and, you know, all the feedback that we've gotten from them through the years was that that peer network was just like finding one another. Uh, this is the same, the world over with entrepreneurs. Yeah. Talk to me about the challenges. Um, I mean, it sounds like you've had a remarkable set of successes. What's What's been hard? Well, there's been just as many failures as that there have been successes to my mind. What's been hard, um, number one, I didn't have a background in entrepreneurship except for starting my own little business. And I'd run an, you know, I'd started an event business and I'd run my little music. But as far as like, I didn't have that background. Um, I had worked in economic development. I didn't really understand um, all the nuances of investment and then the, the cultural difference in risk aversion, uh, when we're a program set up and we have this network, we built work really hard to have this network of, of truly values 
uh, based impact investors and finding that there's a lot more skepticism around that. And having put all that work into building this and then people are like, yeah, I don't know. I think I trust my local bank better. Um, that was a real eye opener for me too, is thinking, oh, you know, we've got these impact investors that, you know, are going to give you more patient capital. They're going to, um, they're going to really lift you up in that world of, um, of impact investing, lift up your business. But a lot of businesses don't want equity. And so the flip, flip side of that is that I was also really disappointed to see so many that talked the talk but didn't walk the walk when it came to what I would consider the triple bottom line of impact investing, that so many as I poked through that, you know, that sort of pretty picture of what this was that no, they still wanted to see a significant return and they wanted it in a fairly short amount of time. So I just sort of started dropping people from that network that they didn't fit our criteria and it's gotten better too. So during, as we were, you know, learning and developing, so was impact investing. And I think there are definitely many more impact investors now that actually hold the line on supporting just and equitable businesses. I appreciate the, the courage it takes to say no, um, uh, particularly uh, when you're when you're relatively new, uh, when you're facing institutions that have a lot of power and resources. Yeah, I mean, I'm sh I, I, I've been called what was it they called me a disruptive influencer. Disruptive influencer. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty straight. You know, it was always pretty direct, and that didn't always serve me in this world um, of schmoozing. <laughs> No, I, I love it. <laughs> uh, disruptive influencer, uh, Sarah Day. And, and I know that um, one of the influencers in your life and your work has been the poet and farmer, Wendell Berry. And Mary, I, I'd love to hear oh, yeah. the story of meeting them. Okay, sure. And I want to I wanna note that there are two Kentuckians that really influenced the, um, I would consider a, my more well-rounded approach, which is Bell Hooks, who is um, a poet, cultural critic, um, anti-racism, um, uh, essayist, influencer of 40 some odd years, who's also Kentuckian, who I met almost 20 years ago now. Um, and we became friends. And as much as, okay, I grew up with a family that was involved in, in uh, you know, political protests and civil rights, this is an onion that I am constantly unpeeling. And even through Bell's works, still, you know, still I continue to learn uh, about the really deep policy design, systems design that continues today is so deeply racist in this country. Um, so Bell, Wendell, he's been preaching good soil health for as long as he's been. <laughs> he's 85 now, and he's written 50-plus books and essays and poet, books of poetry. But he, you know, yes, he's 
a longstanding um, influencer in sustainable farming and not just that, but um, community and rural families and rural, the loss of the family farm and um, his books are really beautifully written. His novels especially really drew me in um, around close knit rural communities. And so, and just, you know, knowing him and, having these conversations through the years um, influenced me to better understand the critical nature of soil health. That was Sarah Day Evans, a social entrepreneur and founding director of Accelerating Appalachia. We'll be back with more after a short break. On Course is presented as part of the Inclusive Leadership Initiative, With support from the City Foundation, Echoing Green launched the Inclusive Leadership Initiative to expand its support of leaders that represent and work with communities of color. Together, Echoing Green and the City Foundation are supporting the next generation of leaders who are helping create economic and social opportunities for young women and men of color across the United States. Welcome back. I'm Eric Dawson, and this is On Course, the podcast from Echoing Green. I'm speaking with Sarah Day Evans, founding director of Accelerating Appalachia. So Sarah Day, what's next for you? Where, where do you go from oh, here? I'm so, well, I am excited to tell you that we are starting. Uh, I know this is exciting. It's such a surprise to hear that we're going to do an online program. Clearly, everybody's doing an online program. But I'm excited about ours. I mean, as I described the accelerator, you know, this is close knit stuff. We're in rooms together. We're traveling in cars. We ain't doing that. Okay. For a while. Um, we will continue to work one-on-one with businesses in that, that sort of phase of their, their growth. But I'm excited about the online incubator as opposed to an accelerator because that will enable us to support many more uh, nature-based businesses across our region because we always get more applicants than we can work with and a lot of them are earlier stage and the incubator is designed for just that it's to introduce these concepts in a uh, an affordable manageable incubation uh, program, which is going to be about 40 hours of online content launching in uh, 2021. Leading up to that, um, we're starting a, a little media company where I'll be interviewing people over the next six months that are doing this amazing work, the beautiful businesses that have been through our program, and then plenty of others too. And those folks will be from across the globe. And um, because we have had interest in our program uh, from other regions, we will also be able to make this available. So we're really excited to launch our online incubator that will serve early stage businesses in the same sectors of food. Uh, clothing, shelter, and health products. People just getting going, though, and um, it's still a regionally regenerative, equitable, and just uh, incubator focusing on on those lenses. But we'll also be able to make it available to other regions because we have had other regions through the years say, "Hey, we'd like to do this nature-based program here." Southern California, uh, Sweden, Northern Colombia. When Echoing Green took us there. Um, we made some great connections there, but I'm excited to announce that our um, incubator will be Gritty Works, 
That's G-R-I-T-T-Y-W-O-R-K-S. And I love Gritty Works because clearly um, grit is kind of my middle name. (laughs) And it's, you know, and it's gritty. It's soil, you know. I had a rock garden when I was a kid. I was a child of the dirt. I ate dirt all day long. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, this, uh, this just is a good fit for what we're getting ready to do. Sarah Dave, for so many uh, entrepreneurs, we get focused on bigness, right? Growth, scale, um, longevity, being around forever, endowments. What would the world look like look like if you didn't need to exist? Well, we'd be we'd be living more uh, regionally connected, robust, inspired. Um, neighborly loving lives we wouldn't we wouldn't be over consuming so much of the things we don't really need um that we you know covid is really bringing into focus for us i think our dependence on this global uh supply chain that is fragile that is extractive and uh, and it's so, so vulnerable. And I think it's just bringing that more into focus um, that we'll, we will, you know, rather than depending on so many jobs through one or two big industries, we'll have a multitude of small to regional businesses that are supportive and with whom we have relationships. And we're, the other thing about COVID is we're seeing nature because we're not scurrying about. Nature is starting to recover. There's evidence of it all over. I'm sure you're seeing it just like I am wildlife coming back to places that hasn't been there. And um, so that, 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 that future uh, world where I don't need to uh, do this and I can just sit around and write poetry and play music yeah, yak it up with my friends <laughs> is is that it's diverse and I just want to say you know diverse in every way and it's beautiful because um, it's diversity um, in nature which is how nature is designed anyway it's diversity in communities um, we've got a diverse array of hundreds of businesses rather than a few big industries we're leaning into we're healthier uh, soil health um, leads to food health, food nutrition improvement. Um, we have sequestered a good chunk of our carbon. Uh, the numbers are dropping on climate climate impact. And, um, you know, I'm hoping that I get to see a lot of that. I mean, who knows? Um, I, I'm hoping that I can see more and more evidence of it, at least over the next 10 years. Um, and that this, you know, I'm not the only one doing this kind of work, um, but that so many people that are losing their jobs through all this big shift, uh, I want them to have a place where they can, you know, turn to, to if they really, you know, want to solve a problem in their community, in their region, and that this model could be helpful to them. I think it's fair to say that 2020 has been a challenging year for all of us, uh, but particularly for 
small entrepreneurs, uh, small business owners, what have you learned navigating this period, both for yourself and and for your partners, the the folks that you you love on every day? And what advice do you have for us as we go into 2021? Well, keep loving on those people and keep building your regional support and your close-knit support system. And we, we've got to shift um, what I'm painting, this, this beautiful rosy picture I'm painting of a future that I'd like to see is, is not happening right now. Small businesses are struggling. We're not there yet with true justice. And so because of the policy and politics around economies and uh, that favor big industries, um, that has to change. And I guess what I want to note is a hopeful, hopeful guide is, is paying attention to the values of people 35 and under as a generation, they get this. It's just, it's just, of course, this is how it needs to be justice and equitable and uh, resilient. Of course it is. They're not heavy consumers, you know? Um, So that's what we need to look for is, is, is how those values start to shift our culture and our society and how can we support that? For those who are listening and inspired by your work, how can they learn more? Um, well, check out our website, uh, acceleratingappalachia.org. Um, and then um, please reach out to me, you know, on Facebook, Instagram, um, Accelerating Appalachia, or um, um, you can reach me through email, Sarah Day, S-A-R-A-D-A-Y, at acceleratingappalachia.org. Uh, Sarah Day, we're going to wrap up with a set of fast questions. Okay. Um, so you're a singer. Um, if, if you're, uh, if your life had a soundtrack right now, what would the song be? Um, leaving Louisiana and the broad daylight. Um, what's something that's made you, made you laugh out loud recently? Something that's brought you joy? Uh, my son, uh, who's come through, you know, he's, he's, uh, was diagnosed with schizophrenia when he, uh, in 2006 and it's been this long journey. Um, but he's like fully himself. Um, and he is funny as hell and he is this dry wit that just keeps me laughing. He and my mom are my little germ pod as I call it. Um, and that's who I spend all my time with. What's a book that has shaped your life? Oh, so many. Um, well, all about love. Bell Hooks's book, All About Love, has been a really important book for me. If a meteor came down and gifted you with one superpower, what would that be? <laughs> um, wow. Well, the superpower to um, sequester carbon um, through. That, that, that I could magically make it easy and fun for all farmers to uh, stay on the land and um, 
adopt practices so that we'd have this massive shift and we would sequester all the carbon that we generate and we'd be in good shape. I love it. Uh, Sarah Day, what do you grow in your garden? (laughs) I had this conversation with my son today. I'm not a good farmer. Um, In fact, I killed a succulent. Um, And that's why I surround myself. My best friends are farmers. Um, I can grow some tomatoes. um, But... I'm not that person. I'm a geologist. I love rocks and and I love farmers because they seem to have a magic that I don't have. Uh, Sarah Day Evans, uh, entrepreneur, singer, songwriter, succulent murderer, uh, the, the Jennifer Lopez of social entrepreneurship, the the triple threat. Um, (laughs) I'm so hot. I'm just so hot. Like Jennifer. Disruptive influencer, uh, lover of nature, uh, curious justice seeker. Um, it has been such a pleasure to have this time with you. Um, I, I want to reflect one thing and then uh, leave us with 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 a with a poem. Yeah. This uh, this image of being able to take what most people disregard, uh, dirt, uh, decay, um, uh, an empty piece of land, and turn it into something that is life sustaining, is ultimately what farming is about. Right. It's 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 in our own way, getting to play God, to be creators. And I see you in this way, bringing together raw ingredients that so much of the world disregards uh, a region of the world that people dismissively call flyover country, uh, entrepreneurs who are often not seen that way, even by themselves, mm-hmm. and to find that beauty and, and to build that magic together. I appreciate you and I appreciate the work that you do. And. Uh, I want to leave with, um, I know one of your favorite human beings and and poets, uh, Wendell Berry, who writes, it may be that when we no longer know what to do, we've come to our real work. And that when we no longer know which way to go, we've come to our real journey. The mind that is not baffled is not employed. The impeded stream is the one that sings. Mm. Sarah Day Evans, uh, keep singing, and I look forward to seeing what song you bring us next. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you all so much. It's my pleasure. To learn more about Echoing Green, go to echoinggreen.org. And don't miss any of our episodes. Subscribe where you get your podcasts, and don't forget to leave a rating so other listeners can find us. I'm Eric Dawson. Stay on course.